Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. All parts taste the same. I hate to break it to everybody. (laughs) Do I don't they? know what to say. Yeah, they do. I don't know. To me, they do. Yeah, it tastes like it tastes. Now I'm gonna describe it. Yeah, please. <laughs> Is it like an umami? <laughs> I, I've heard differently, and that's the reason why I can't drink a uh, coconut water. Because once somebody told me that coconut water tastes like jizz, and then oh, you wish. <laughs> I'm ducking out, you're ducking out Let's duck out together See what it's all about Ducking out, ducking out, ducking out, ducking out Hi, and welcome to Diking Out, a podcast that only exists in its current form because of an undying love of Whitney Houston. I'm Carolyn Bergier. I'm Melody Kamali. And today we are diking out with OG podcaster Hemda from Keith and the Girl about healing. We'll get to that very fun interview in just a little bit. You know, I'm going to break my tradition of not wishing uh, dead people a happy birthday. I feel like it's rubbing it in. It's a mean thing to do. But happy birthday, Whitney Houston. I will always love you. First of all, yes, happy birthday, Whitney. Famously, Carolyn and I got to know each other and eventually got to be co-host because we made our pilgrimage to go see Robin speak with her book release. But also... It has been announced just yesterday or the day before that I Want to Dance with Somebody has won the bidding war for the Whitney Houston biopic. And uh, that's exciting. Chills. But also, you know there's going to be erasure or, or just like no real representation of that side of her. Like this is like Clive Davis and Whitney Houston's estate. Like they're behind it. So <laughs> it's going to yeah. be, I think it's going to be epic. It's um, the screenwriter from Bohemian Rhapsody who did the Freddie Mercury biopic. It, it's oh, gonna that be, also kind of erased his queerness. Yeah, so <laughs> more erasure to look forward to with stunning visuals. <laughs> Man, if there's not a lady to lady kiss in that, I'm, I'm not watching. I refuse. I'm going to have to wait to see what Autostraddle lets us know. And yes. uh, if, if someone can confirm a Robin Whitney kiss, then I will go see it, even if they downplay the rest of it. But yeah, they're considering it a canon telling of her life story. We'll be the judge of that. Oh, who's going to be cast? I know. I don't know. I can't wait to see. I mean, I'm going to see it. Yeah. Opening night in my living room for 50 bucks. <laughs> well, one day we'll look forward to seeing that movie together in the theater. Yeah. And the last thing we did together, and it'll be maybe the first thing we do when we see each other. The again. first thing we do, yeah. <laughs> and then if it's not gay enough, we'll just chase it with Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Again, yes. 
It's it's been a few weeks since I've watched it, so I should probably get back on. No, I haven't watched it since it came out on on Hulu. But I just want to say that we are so glad that everybody loved last week's episode with Becca Blackwell uh, as much as we did. And just want to let you know that we updated the show notes with a link to the queer punk band they used to be in called Inner Princess. In case you wanted to hear the fun songs about being uh, misgendered in bathrooms and more. Plus, you can sign up for our Patreon at patreon.com slash out and hear about 25 minutes more of the interview that we had to cut for time because sometimes I don't know when to stop. Yeah. And then sometimes I have yet another story about my wacky girlfriend that needs to be told. Oh, my God. Let me tell you, this is my favorite and only going to... You have to be a patron to hear this story, but it's a new favorite Allie Clayton (laughs) story. Uh, She is my hero and... I cannot believe that you held out on this story for so long. I really thought I told it already on the pod, but no, I guess it's just exclusive Patreon content now. Exclusive for Patreon, but uh, I'm I'm a little bit upset that you didn't tell me that immediately, like when we first <laughs> met, and just share this uh, amazing <laughs> story about Allie. Yeah, patreon.com slash out. Thank you for everybody who's been signing up. We need the support. We love you. Yeah, I was a little bit late to updating the show notes because I was in the woods for a week. Welcome back. You seemed so happy there. I was happy. It was so nice to be out of the city finally. And, you know, last week we were talking about labels and uh, I don't care how you identify um, when you're in the city, but once you're in the woods, you're a lesbian. I'm sorry, <laughs> but it's you, you just automatically become a lesbian. We were there with our neighbors, neither of who used the word lesbian, but then once in the woods, I noticed that they were uh, referring to things they were doing as being very lesbian. I'm like, yeah, that's what you have to be. You get so far removed. Uh, the the label, you don't have all the sub-labels and, uh, you know, things are more black and white in the country. And yeah. you're just, you're either straight or you're, you're a full-on lesbian. It was funny because we were looking just out of curiosity as uh, I spend all of my free time on Trulia now uh, at houses around near where we were staying. <laughs> and there was one house that was like this super lesbian house and it's like on one of the main streets tell me what makes a lesbian house (laughs) oh i'll tell you uh it had a giant pride flag outside the front and then the (laughs) inside was just full of horses like everything all the art it was just a couple of horse lesbians and and it sold unfortunately but I think the combo of the horses and the pride flag and, and the overall uh, aesthetic, it was, it was country dyke. Nice. It was a beautiful thing. We did go to see a, a house a little bit further away from where we were staying, and we saw a house that had a big pride flag that looked like it hadn't been burnt down yet. So that was comforting because there were so many Trump signs, uh, not Trump like there are Trump pen signs that people have in their lawn. There were All Lives Matter signs that people had in their lawn. Um, It also would say All Lives Matter with a bunch of caveats like All Lives Matter, but that includes black lives and blah, blah, blah. (laughs) And I'm like, why? What a weird thing to have on your lawn. And then 
But but the the Trump flags that people have are insane. There are so many variations on the Trump flag. Uh, a lot of them are the American flag, just with the words like Trump over it. I feel I feel like six years ago, if somebody had an American flag with Obama written over it, Fox News would have like twenty four seven coverage of like there'd be like choppers. how anti American it is. Yeah, there there'd be <laughs> choppers over the house, just constant surveillance to see how these people were trying to to ruin America. But no, these houses and some of the um, flags say like Trump train. Some of them say uh, stone cutters for Trump, you know, getting real specific, customizing their, their flags based on their, their trade. I'm so tired. Like I just have nothing to react, but yeah, part of us are like, ugh, I would love to live an hour outside of New York and just be away from people after uh, eight years of being (laughs) around too many people. New York's getting uh, a little bit scary. I weirdly, I don't love it, but maybe this is because Allie and I are watching that Netflix docu-series on the mob in New York. Have you heard of this? No. Is the mob mob coming back? No, it just focuses on its golden era in the 70s. It's called Fear City, New York versus the Mafia. And, you know, it's that typical, like, glorifying old crime-ridden New York. I mean, part of it is nice. Like, a lot of people are leaving the city, so it's nice to, uh, again, have a like have less people be around uh, if quarantine has taught me anything it's how much I enjoy not being around people and I didn't think that was me but New York City I think will do that to you well I'm so happy for you I still have not had that release sounds amazing <laughs> <laughs> I'm going upstate but just for a weekend at the end of August we have a friend who did the same thing she Still has her apartment here, but she bought a house last year right on the lake. Well, and that's fancy. We can't do both. She <laughs> is fancy. I'm very excited for that. And that's it. And then back to this day trips to the beach. Well, watch out for those flags. I know I still haven't gone to Reese Beach. Uh, I feel like I'm not going to make good on this promise. I thought saying it on the podcast would hold me uh, accountable. Me too, but bitch. You were uh, Carolyn was supposed to come to the gay beach yesterday and show off her new I was. bathing suit shorts. Nothing. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I bought a. I literally bought a bathing suit just for it. But then, uh, then Cecilia had to work slash I had to spend eight hours on Trulia again. Uh, <laughs> we just, need to be sponsored by Trulia. Please. Yes, I do prefer it over Zillow. And I think that <laughs> I could list all the reasons why if they would sponsor the podcast. Yeah. That's relevant. Lesbians love nesting. Yes. And there's also like a, a thing that shows up now. And I don't know if it's just because I'm gay or if it's for everybody using Trulia. That's like, you can't be discriminated against for being gay. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, does Trulia know? Or is this just like letting everybody know since we're all queer now? Yeah. <laughs> queer in the city. Dykes. In nature. I think there, there's actually like a new New York State uh, non-discrimination housing policy or something, or I don't know how new it is, but when I went to go see the one house, which was like my first time going to see a house with a realtor, uh, he had assigned something that that was like, 
agreeing that we're not being discriminated against. Like it was like sign this. This is just to let you know that we can't discriminate against you. Oh, like, okay. that's new. <laughs> um, yeah. I spent my whole childhood going to house viewings. Like it was like a really big deal that my parents like eventually you know save enough money and buy a house, and we like yeah. rented our first couple of houses. And I don't know something about open houses and viewing houses very nostalgic to me that's how we spent every weekend even if like it was like so out of our price range that's just like what we did with any time off (laughs) yeah I don't remember us ever having to sign any of those of course in the 90s sure but yeah you're every time you talk about this search I'm just getting like flashbacks to my childhood well, if any listeners know of any areas uh, that would be good for Cecilia and I to live within uh, one hour of New York City, DM me. I am open to it. We're looking for a place with good schools in case we are able to make a baby, uh, which we're also trying to do. That's a lot right now. I think we're really trying to just fulfill the American dream in quarantine. And yeah, <laughs> it, it's kind of it's a little bit much. Uh, Slow down. Feeling overwhelmed. Simmer down I now. <laughs> I should just use this time to watch uh, more TV. I think I'd be doing better because there's there's some gay TV that's Ooh. being made and that's going to be made uh, once production starts up again, which I think it's starting up uh, again a little bit. It is. Very excited for the fall season. Is Ratchet coming out in the fall? Or I don't know. They dropped a trailer and I've watched it like 50 times since. I can't wait for Ratchet. Ha- Did you see it? The trailer? I I did watch the trailer. I was trying to stay off the internet, but then I did check Twitter occasionally to make sure that, you know, we weren't at war or something like that. (laughs) I saw Sarah Paulson was trending and obviously I'm like, must know what this is about. Saw the Ratchet trailer. Was also very excited because I love Sarah Paulson in a period piece, but also conflicted because it's a Ryan Murphy vehicle. Uh, I do have to give props to Ryan Murphy for his love of Sarah Paulson. She seems to be his muse, yeah. but uh, his shows are... Yeah, it's like, it looks like American Horror Story. It does look Ratchet. like American Horror Story, but just centered around Sarah Paulson. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I typed into Twitter to Sarah Paulson and I started to type ratchet and the spelling that came up for multiple searches was ratchet, like ratchet, like like the slang, like you're being so ratchet oh. <laughs> with like a T yes. instead of the D, yes. which I love. I love it so much. I don't think anyone knows that it's based off of nurse ratchet from one flew over the cuckoo's nest. <laughs> <laughs> But is there going to be anything gay in it? Mm. Besides the fact that it's made by Ryan Murphy, I don't know. That's what made it relevant enough for me to bring up. <laughs> yeah, I don't right. know if no. anything and, lesbian and, it's and that Paulson, Sarah Paulson's in it. Yeah. I don't care. I, I love a murderous, problematic lesbian character. <laughs> me too. I, it's like, because I feel like it's not the only representation anymore. So I'm okay with us having that representation because I feel like it keeps the straights on their toes. Yes. It, it's this fine balance of wanting straight people to accept us and uh, welcome us into polite society. But also I want them to be a little bit terrified that we might murder them. Mm. Yeah, and we've officially made it queer. Is that problematic? I don't know anymore. Also, I'm excited that Amazon picked up 
a league of their own. Abby Jacobson from Broad City is... Uh, rebooting A League of Their Own as a TV show. It's already been a TV show, but it didn't really do too well the first time around. It came out right after the movie and didn't have Gina Davis in it or Rosie or Madonna So and Tom Hanks. So without that star power, I watched it because I'm obsessed with A League of Their Own. It will always be my favorite movie, and I'm so excited. It's going to be uh, queer, and they're actually going to have diversity in it, which is what uh, the original uh, League of Their Own lacked. And that's going to be really cool to to see that. I'm very excited. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we know that there's, it's already got queerness in it. And then the fact that Abby, Abby Jacobson is behind it. And also Darcy Carden is in it. And I love Darcy Carden so much. She's so good. And she's so perfect for this too. Like her look. Her look. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, it's, I'm looking at it right now. Her curls. Right. It looks like she could have been in the original. Right. Movie. Um, I just started Abby Jacobson's book yesterday at the gay beach. And it was perfect because it is gay right away. <laughs> it is gay right oh, away. Man. Actually... I feel bad that I haven't gotten more into it. Abby Jacobson, if you're listening, I, I'll i finish reading the book and give it a, an awesome review if you come <laughs> on the podcast. I'm ready to give it an Please. awesome review regardless. Review anyway. And I'm only just a couple chapters in. <laughs> uh, ever, ever since that it was announced that she was working on a reboot of The League of Their Own. I've been reaching out to her people being like, we would love to have Abby on to talk about A League of Their Own. (laughs) We need a whole episode on that topic. I have a lot to say about my feelings about Dottie and Kit, uh, but also about women, um, what women did in the absence of men during wartime, which, you know, my favorite genre, again, is uh, men out of the country and women taking over. (laughs) We can do it. There's another series that I have only mostly watched on YouTube. It was a Canadian series called uh, Bomb Girls, and it was about all the women working in the bomb-making factories uh, in Canada during World War II, and there's a queer storyline in that. And Bomb girls. Like, yeah. I love it. Yeah. You know what else I want to talk about? Melody, what's the gayest thing you did this week? Hmm. Well, this week, we have been celebrating our cat's birthday every day. Um, we don't <laughs> <laughs> We don't know our cat's actual birthday. We know it was August of 2010. So what are we doing? We're celebrating every day of August. But we only realized that it was his birth month this last week. So we are singing happy birthday to him every morning, um, serenading him giving him treats. We lit uh, a candle for him, a birthday candle out of incense, incense famously gay. So I'm going to go with (laughs) our daily celebrations of our cat's birthday. Also, we've done this all year, but um, every morning we get our flash briefing on the New York Times and um, Reuters on our smart speaker. And then after that, we've programmed it to tell our horoscopes um, so we'll get the Capricorn, ah. then we get the Gemini horoscope. And then right after that, we, we get the Leo horoscope for our cat. <laughs> Every Your morning cat we get our news. Me as a Leo. Yeah. Oh yeah. Big, beautiful, orange, little tiger, lion, um, <laughs> lion. Um, 
Yeah. <laughs> Every morning. We had a friend staying with us, and only then did we realize how ridiculous it was that we have Alexa robotically like reading off our horoscope individually, including the cat. <laughs> uh I have a feeling that any of our listeners with Alexa who haven't done so already are going to program Yeah, that. Yeah, they're from the Astro Twins. Um, I know a lot of people get the, seek out at least their horoscope specifically, and that's the one that this uses. Nice. Yeah. Well, no. that's pretty gay. <laughs> I know you had a very gay week. You probably have so much to choose from for your week in the woods. Do I you do. do some dikes on hikes? What did you do? You know what? No, uh, I didn't do. I thought it was going to be like hiking and kayaking. And uh, I bought a badminton set, which we didn't even put the net up. Uh, Cecilia and I spent maybe maybe five minutes outside hitting the shuttlecock around. (laughs) Is that what it's called? It's called a shuttlecock. Yeah. (laughs) When you're in high school and you learn it's called a shuttlecock, yeah. uh, you never I'm forget that. clearly eternally in high school. <laughs> Just like, wait, 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 say it again. <laughs> or a birdie. For yeah, okay, that's what I thought yeah. it was called. Yeah, It's a birdie, but officially it is a shuttlecock. Okay. And though I feel like some dyke's going to write and be like, actually, there's a oh, difference. Yeah, we're going to get all these emails. Please correct me. I would hate to be wrong about this. But again, spent too much time on Trulia. Uh, went to nature and was just looking to settle down with my wife somewhere in the woods. But no, I was doing a lot of grilling. I don't think that's gay, though, but I did uh, enjoy the grilling. I think there was some chopping of wood with axes. Mm. Uh we had to order some wood, and we didn't know how um, wood is measured, and it's apparently in cords, and we don't know what a cord of wood is, and I think they dropped off maybe half a cord, and it was just like the back of a pickup truck full of wood. It was so much wood, so we had a lot of fires during the week, and uh, I would say I'm I'm pretty pretty good at starting a fire. It's always a lot harder than you think it's going to be if you don't have small enough pieces of wood. I would say the gayest thing, though, was that it was, you know, four of us being queer in the woods and uh, realizing that we all brought very gay clothing. Uh, There was one day where I mentioned to Lauren that I thought that her choice of shirt was pretty bold for being out in the country. Uh, It was a pro choice shirt and then she pointed out that Cecilia was wearing just this tank top that said dyke in big letters <laughs> uh, and then Aaron was wearing uh, Lauren's partner Aaron was wearing a shirt that had a uh, Jonathan from Queer Eye on it mm. and then I had just changed out of my diking out tank top so uh <laughs> ooh that's pretty gay. That's pretty gay. Oh, I know. I just realized I, I finally got my diking out shirts in the mail. Oh, yes. And Lauren, I mean, like every day we were wearing different gay shirts and Lauren was wearing her mind your heterosexual business shirt, yeah. which was it looks great in person. Uh, Etsy.com slash I got mine. Diking out. Yeah. You like it? I like it. And uh, if and when I, u- I lose my COVID weight, I, I cannot wait to wear it. I did order it closer to the beginning, I think, uh, quarantine and, um, I know. Wow, is it tight. Pandemic delay. (laughs) Yeah. 
keep that in mind. Uh, it's like a month from now, what do you think you're going to fit into? Yeah. And that I ate so much during this trip. I had so many s'mores. Uh, I know most people... When they go camping, they make s'mores like once or twice, and then they're they're over it. I had like two to three full s'mores mm. a night, and and uh, never felt so American. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm very happy for you. I'm not at all envious, and uh, it's just great to have you back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, enjoy your lake house in uh, in a couple weeks. Yeah. Wait, I do have to correct myself on something I said last week, if I may. Oh, uh, literally no one has written in or even corrected me on social media or anything, but uh, any, no one has except for my girlfriend who was listening, said she had to pull over and scream while she was driving because <laughs> I was talking about Brandy Glanville from The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills and said she, her ex-husband had cheated on her with Shania Twain. I didn't even realize I said Shania Twain. I meant to say Leanne Rimes. And then I heard you say Shania Twain and it was believable. I mean, I, I bet a lot of listeners probably just fast forwarded through that whole spiel. But um, <laughs> I thought the whole Real Housewives thing was interesting enough that I brought it up around the campfire. I was like, did you guys know that this show is really gay? Oh, also, ugh, we listened to all of folklore around the campfire. Oh, you did. Anyway, ugh. continue. Continue. <laughs> no, I mean, Thoughts I'm glad I brought it, it up. Keep going. I'm glad Allie brought it up so that I could then bring it up to you midweek because that's how I found out that you... I found out you're like one or second. You have two male crushes and the <laughs> man that left Brandy Glanville for Leanne Rhymes. What's his name? Yes. You're like, he's, uh, he's very hunky. And the way you were talking about him, I was yes. like, is this a crush? And you said he was one of two male crushes you yes. have. So Eddie, I think Cibrian is how you pronounce it. He used to be on a show called Sunset Beach. He played Cole I love that show, Sunset Beach. I was attracted to both the men and the women on the show because it's a soap opera, so they're all um, very attractive. And he has dimples, and he has great bone structure, and his eyes are kind of piercing. He has great hair. He is just, he is a hunk. Yeah. He is a hunk of a man, <laughs> and... Uh, I feel I can see why Brandy would be very upset about her hunky husband uh, cheating on her with Leanne Rhymes. But, you know, what can you do? Sometimes you just can't fight the moonlight. And... <laughs> Allie will appreciate that. <laughs> It'd be funnier if I uh, said a Shania Twain song. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's like, just a troll, Allie. Yeah, that don't impress me much. <laughs> Well, thank you for setting the record straight. <laughs> I just wanted them what? to know. I feel like the past three weeks, I'm just wanting to get all the the terrible puns in. This is how you know I haven't been doing real comedy, is that I've fallen back to just saying really bad puns on a podcast. <laughs> Somebody booked me on a park show. Yeah. All right. This week's interview was very fun, and I'm jealous knowing that you've gotten to talk to Chemda uh, multiple times before, that you've been on Keith and the Girl. I'm going to be on an upcoming episode yes. of Keith and the Girl that I'm excited to record soon. Shall we? 
We shall. We are diking out with podcaster Hemda, who is widely known as the co-host of the longstanding and popular Keith and the Girl podcast. Uh, she also designed OMAT, which is a program to turn negative patterns into positive habits one minute at a time. And we're going to get into the whole journey on how you got to, to this point, because it is quite an interesting one from what I know about you. We're very excited to talk to you today. Salam. (laughs) Salam. (laughs) It is, it's, it's a little terrifying when a podcaster says you're interesting. I'm like, oh yeah, my life is crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Let's Let's get to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah. How have you been doing just with everything in the, in the world. I mean, if I feel like for podcasters or people who had podcasts well-established before quarantine, it's not too bad. It's not, you know, that's the thing. People say, how are you? And it's a totally different question now, because if I say, if I say I'm okay, I sort of feel guilty, but I also feel like I'm lying. So it's both. I am both Corona crying and being very, very grateful for everything I have and for the stuff that um, I get to keep while we're in quarantine. I know a lot of people are struggling. So I think, I think uh, it's hard to say, but I am steady. Does that answer that? <laughs> yeah. I've been saying, I've been tacking on all things considered. There you <laughs> go. That answer. That's a good one. I might use it. Just wrap it up in a bow. Yeah. <laughs> Keith and the Girl, it's one of the longest running podcasts, if not the longest. The original, Is it the original comedy podcast. Kind of? We started in 2005, and that's when podcasting started. So we started before it was on iTunes, um, before it was known to anybody what a podcast was. So it was a lot of, what do you do for a living? And then just kind of a glaze over because they don't know what it is. It was so long ago in terms of what technology is and what podcasting is, is that I used to have to say I work on the internet. Like it, it just wasn't <laughs> understood. And back then it wasn't like people were working on the internet. Your jobs didn't necessarily have a dot com. It didn't have like it sounds so old, but it was fifteen years ago, two thousand five. Right. Very Crazy. strange. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like then uh internet radio was starting to be a thing and radio stations were being streamed and all of a sudden it was like if you lived in uh, you know, where I was from Buffalo, you can all of a sudden like listen to cool New York city radio stations and morning shows. And and that was exciting. But yeah, I don't remember back then podcasts being around, but, uh, it, did you watch the L word? Was that part of your, uh, initiation into the queer community? (laughs) Yeah, I really was. Um, I, (laughs) I started dating my ex who is transgender, but at uh, we didn't, well, I didn't know that when we were first dating. So we were identified as lesbians and he was like, well, you got to watch the L word now. Yeah. And it, I, <laughs> I, I, I loved it and hated it and right, had all yeah. kinds of feelings and, and Shane did some stuff to me that I wasn't comfortable <laughs> with. And it was, it was very interesting because it's still a TV show. So it still has this like cornball aspect to it. Oh, and yeah. it is one of the few very lesbian shows that are, you know, everyone is a lesbian. So they had to like tack on stuff, you know, like, oh, this is is what happens in our community. And so some stuff, of course, feels forced, but some stuff just brought me to tears and, you know, kind of like alleviated some pain. And, and there was a, there was like an understanding. It was, 
It was so fun. Some of it was super hot. I've definitely masturbated to it. (laughs) (laughs) I brought it up more because there was like a weird focus in the later seasons on podcasting, but it's all like Mm. video based. And Max, the the trans man on the show, is like video recording Alice and they just keep talking about the podcast and got to get this video right for the podcast. (laughs) And when you look back at it, it was like, oh, I guess podcast like they don't know what podcasting is and then going back and being like actually that was considered podcasting at one point was these uh the videos online or what's now more like vlogging I don't know it's well there there was mostly podcasting is audio but we did have a video podcast as well and you still have that option but it's not as popular so you can have a video podcast it works in the same way where people subscribe and the new episode comes out you upload it everything happens the same way so I don't know why they decided to turn that way instead of you know the stream of it but uh, it's available (laughs) Yeah, so so let's get into it from your your journey from like did you just identify as straight for a while and then you fell in love with someone who you thought was a woman and then I I've heard different pieces of the the story yeah. and it's very fascinating and kind of unique the way that it unfolds and beautiful and then later on tragic uh just giving <laughs> yes. laying out the spoilers <laughs> up front making sure I, everybody is emotionally ready for this roller coaster <laughs> you're about to take us <laughs> you definitely have the timeline very correct yes it, it, it was all of those things and the the identification of it really throws me off because I think um, people are always asking you to identify yourself, and I get it. I get that it's a descriptive word, and it it puts you in a space where, like, there's more understanding of who you are, where are you from, where did you grow up. It's it's sort of similar to that, but it was it was very confusing for me to always answer that because, you know, when you're in such a heteronormative world, then you and and you're even part straight then you will have a crush on a dude as a woman and you will it men will hit on you all the time but in order to see if you even have any emotions um in a real world for a same sex person then you you have to be in that space or it's a little bit dangerous you can't really hit on someone casually as much as you know men hit on women and straight bars. It's funny that we don't call them straight bars, but we do call them gay bars and stuff like that. And when you're a woman and you make out with another woman, it's just, you know, for funsies, like a party drug or something. But when you're a man who makes out with a man, then you're gay right away and you've always been gay. And, you know, when did you come out and blah, blah, blah. So I did always have sexual feelings for, I don't know, kind of everybody. But I didn't really understand it because, you know, what again, when you're in a heteronormative world, it's very normal to just kind of, you know, have these sexual encounters with the opposite sex. And I, I have to admit, I wasn't that attracted to everybody I was, you know, flirting with or making out with. It was just sort of available and you're trying to figure out what it is to make out. And I always felt behind, like I was 15 when I had my first kiss and, you know, these 12 year olds around me were talking about their first boyfriend and their first this and first that. And so I don't know, it it felt queer to be with a woman for a while, but I did, um, you know, I, I played like a spin the bottle with a bunch of women one time. And, um, I did, you know, have this 
female friend that I ended up having a sexual relationship with, but it didn't ever click like it did with guys. But when I look back on it, my first experience with a penis, I made all kinds of gross faces. I was (laughs) not into it. I was like, is this what we're working with? This is so (laughs) gross. I feel like that's standard for queer, straight, all (laughs) first interactions with a penis. Right? It's I I didn't, you know, and and he looked down at some point. I was just, you know, I thought you pet a dick until stuff comes out of it, like just like a dog. (laughs) So luckily I spoke to a female friend before who had a little more experience and she's like, you know you have to close that fist, right? And I was like, oh phew, I was about to do it wrong. And you're just like (laughs) dusting off the dick. (laughs) Yes, yes. (laughs) Just like just like making it feel (laughs) making it feel pretty until it does something I don't know uh and I was I was doing it and I made these faces and he looked down he's like what's up and I was like I don't know this I I didn't even have the words for I don't want to do this but we did stop and then he complained about blue balls and I'm like I can't possibly care about this I don't know (laughs) are men though I I know very little about men I'll just say that uh oh congrats how fun for you yeah it's it's just so limited but I wonder if men too when they first get up close and personal with a a woman's vagina that they're like what is this like what what once you like spread the lips and you see what's going on be like whoa I just thought there would be a hole here and then it's like (laughs) a lot more you know I don't know I mean maybe because of porn uh now and Mm -hmm. how easy it is to to access they kind of know what what's going on though um if you're a, a teenage boy who's like only watched porn and then all of a sudden you like see pubic hair in real life that must be a real shock I don't know <laughs> it's uh... well I've shocked the hell out of people then yeah <laughs> I am loosey-goosey with that stuff down there <laughs> yes as I think we all should be but to each their own uh... <laughs> But anyway, and it's interesting what you talked about before with like, oh, women, like it's okay for us to be a little bit more experimental. But with men, it's like, oh, you're gay. And it's like women have more room to question things and explore, whereas men like you can't even question or else you're gay. Yeah. Like there's no. I think it's because we don't want to watch men do these intimate, nicey things, like that the stuff that we used to call gay when it's not gay. Like, why are you saying something, quote, fruity? When you say something nice, you know, like, oh, I really enjoyed being here. Ew, that's gay. You know, that's what I grew up with. So I think to see two men in that position of, like, loving and making out, it makes us feel awkward. Whereas women, you know, they're lovey, they're touchy-feely, so it might make a little bit more sense when it's a straight couple it's like, well, because there's a woman in there, that's where all the loviness and you're allowed to get a little soft because of that. So yeah. it, it could be some of that. I'm not sure. It, it just, I know that it felt weird and people were always asking me to identify because I never hid any of that stuff. Not really. I think we all hide a little bit because um, it it was different to be gay and and then you know your friends start you're afraid that your friends start thinking that you'll be attracted to them like that's a thing and how do you go like yeah not you like yeah not you flatter yourself (laughs) yeah yeah that's what I've said in my head to people before (laughs) yeah and so maybe that's a little bit of hiding but 
um, as I was understanding more, I'm just like, well, I keep dating men and, you know, sometimes I get a little tingle for women, but as you consider it, that tingle, only sometimes I get a tingle for men too, you know, it's not all guys. Yeah. So I, I didn't know, but because all of my experiences with women have been sort of like, uneasy maybe because I didn't get a chance to experiment as much as I did with men. Um, I kind of decided that I am straight, you know, and, and maybe I just allowed some flexibility. I don't know. And so I just kind of let it go. And then I met my ex and I was like, what's happening? I am genuinely attracted to this person. It's not going away. Um, we started sleeping with each other. And I told him at the time, you know, we were using female pronouns. I'm like, look, you know, this might end because I don't know if I'm if I'm gay at all. I don't know if I'm into this thing. And and he understands it because a lot of um a lot of same sex couples, especially women, go through that where, you know, females swing to buy maybe when they're a little bit sad if I may. And then, you know, that's, that's sort of like a, a coupling thing because we're allowed to get so intimate and then they get broken up with because it's like, Hey, I'm not gay. So none of this is for me, but it didn't go away. That's interesting. uh, I've never heard it put that way, even though I've joked about it on stage, how the only times I've been uh, really seriously hit on by straight women is when they're when they're sad or they're just like fed up with men and then they have a couple of drinks in them and then they're like, Hey Carolyn, you look really good tonight. I'm like, Nope, I know you. And I know exactly what this is. (laughs) And you're just like fed up. uh, And you think this will make you feel better and it will, but but like what's in it for, for me. And, and I think too the, but the hard thing and like, this is where, (laughs) Uh, I just have like a lot of empathy for what bisexual women or pansexual women go through is that um, a lot of queer women and and lesbians have become like so guarded because of those experiences. And like, even if they kind of know what it is going into it, they're always hopeful, like, well, maybe like it'll be different with, with me, or maybe I can win them over. And part of it is they like the challenge. It's, it's just like very, very messy but then it's like it makes the other person feel like like or in in your case like you probably felt like well I'm not queer enough so maybe I just have to be with men and that's kind of shitty like if we just had all those expectations and trying to force people into boxes and just focused on like the the connection and being in the moment wouldn't we all be But it's hard to do, you know, even if you are 100% straight, you still go for people who end up abusing you, making you feel like garbage. So it's, it's not that we're naturally attracted to people who help us. (laughs) A lot of us are, you know, (laughs) that's a knowing laugh. (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) Oh, that laugh was filled with emotional abuse. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So when so when you're suddenly finding yourself attracted to a same sex person, all those same things are considered. This could be a terrible relationship. I can't blame that on lesbianism. But, you know, all that stuff starts flooding in. Hey, Hamda, are you a lesbian now? Were you always a lesbian? If you break up with this relationship, are you going to date a guy? And I'm like, dude, like, can you just 
respect my relationship now and not talk about what happens when we break up. When we break up, I'll let you know and you still won't have a chance. Is that cool? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And then one night where um, we just had sex and we had a great connection and um, and I, I, I said, hey, um, you don't feel like a woman. Uh, I've been a little bit with women. I can't say that, you know, I've I've been as much with men, but um, it usually feels a little awkward or a little queer. I'm not sure that that is because of the partners that I chose or what, but you feel like a dude, you know? Um, and he starts crying, and I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, look at Hamda. She has to say everything while people are naked. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> Who does that? And then he's like, no, you see me. And um, that was sort of that for that night I didn't really fully understand what that meant but then he and and he didn't really either you know transgender was not a thing it wasn't being talked about all you knew about transgender is like you know guess if it's a guy or a girl you know on talk shows and this whole like oh yeah you know um uh prostitution chicks with dicks like that kind of thing this this very seedy kind of you know underworld of cities and stuff the kind that you can get caught up with like a drug it was that so transgender wasn't just who you know part of who you were but which um, is why now so many people are like oh all these people are coming out as trans and then some people thinking that it's like a like a social contagion and it's it's not it's just before it was hard for people to see themselves represented and we're just very depressed not knowing (laughs) yeah you know or like not realizing who who they really were and when you tell that story I don't know it just gives me chills it's just like such a a beautiful thing that you were able to kind of see that yeah, luckily in him <laughs> yeah that could have went real wrong yeah. yeah yeah right uh he yeah. could have been really offended and, and the, on top of it as a trans man at, at the time and for a while uh if I'm correct he was very femme presenting still right like yes. long hair yeah, and he didn't like. Uh, what do you call the light butches? <laughs> what do you call femi? Butch? But I don't. Oh, f- I, I, you know it. Yeah, <laughs> I don't Fem know. Butch, stem. <laughs> Again, uh, we're trying to put people yeah. into you know. But you know, when my mom met him, he was still presenting that way, and she like afterwards she goes. You know, a lot of people will be intimidated by this. Per- a lot of men. She said, a lot of men will be intimidated. I'm like. Mom, doesn't that, like, take the next step. You know what I mean? Like, this is not, you know, not everyone is straight and not everyone is on the spectrum that you, that you place them on. Like, so whatever, we, we figure out this thing and now um, he's coming out as trans, but like you said, still presenting what the world knows as female. And also as an actor, you know, that was his instrument. That was, you know, what he, he studied that is, you know, there's not a lot of roles for the in-between. There's not a lot of roles. Like, you have to be... Even the butchy people on shows, quote-unquote butchy, they are so femmy on TV. They're, you know, wearing lip gloss. Like, that's not what it looks like in the real world, but we're so uncomfortable with people not matching, you know, women are this, they have glitter, they have they have long hair, you know, all that stuff. But that's another story. <laughs> anyway, that was really difficult because... You know, now we are one of the first people who are open about this. And I'm saying, hey, meet my boyfriend. 
and it 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 garners like some some looks. What what year now, is this? This is about ten years ago okay, when yeah. it started. Yeah, and that's that's about when it broke. And BuzzFeed did a thing about us, like you know, one of the first things. It got so popular, and he got really nervous about it because now you're outing yourself, and it's not, you know. Coming out is is so ridiculous and so scary. Imagine I, I want to put a rule where straight people have to come out to their parents. You know, <laughs> yes. like, hey, you know, I'm a female. I'm about to suck dick, mom. Like, what do you think you're telling your parents? <laughs> like, I think I'm going to go to a straight bar. I don't know. <laughs> 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 yeah, like, see how it feels to I'm not only run your hormones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to have to explain your quote lifestyle what are you explaining you're explaining what you're about to munch down on like stop why do you want to know that about your child don't worry about what's in somebody else's pants that they're going to put in their mouth like worry that I have enough salad in my face stop (laughs) so that was awkward for a little while but um and, you know, you'd go to restaurants and they'd say, right this way, ladies, and just stuff that's normally a, a pattern in our social construct became awkward. And he became, I, I guess, more depressed. I don't want to speak for him, but it started being really difficult to go out and really difficult to interact with people. And so I just kind of took that as, you know, me, I want to be a good partner. I want to, you know, keep helping him be in this world and um I'll I'll back you up and all this stuff. Um but it turns out <laughs> he was busy with a lot of other people and I did mm. not know that. And it's so Ugh. weird. It's one of those relationships where people are like, "You're such a good couple" and stuff like that and you know, I started feeling a little weird like um you know when you when you feel in a relationship like you're hiding something. I know you well. You're hiding something, but it would Been be there. covered up. Yeah. yeah, right. It'd be covered up with depression. With you know people can't understand me. With I'm, we both are more him, of course, on this platform of you know I have to explain myself to people over and over again. So I understood it, but um, I I didn't feel right about some stuff. So, oh, and then I found out I had a giant tumor and had to get open heart surgery. Yeah. (laughs) And yeah. And so we were going through that and I'm like, well, you know, if your wife is going through open heart surgery, you're going to go through open heart surgery. You know, I, I do believe that the partner goes through like pretty much as much as the other one. You, you can't help, you can't do anything. And it's very, very painful. So I kept giving passes and passes And then eventually um, I was coming back to work after two months out and it was a lot of stuff to deal with. And I checked his email um, and found that he had been on Craigslist looking, actively looking for women, uh, saying things like, hey, I'm in this hotel, come sit on my face, Um, uh, actively in in touch with a few women regularly and they, I, I don't know who he met up with. I, I'd never had the proof of that, but there was plans to meet up. There was, mm. um, obvious relationships that had been formed because when I found out one of them, like the, this email that was sent back and forth with this one particular woman, when I found out he couldn't email her the next day and the next email from her was, where are you now? That's enough. Now, <laughs> When somebody asks where you are, (laughs) 
excuse me, like, this was yesterday that you talked to him. You guys are way too close. Um, and the the saddest part to me about it, and of course there's obvious sadness, was when I was looking through this, uh, I read the obvious text that I just told you, and I said to myself, how am I wrong about this? I must be reading it wrong. This can't be. Let me read it again. Let me read a different email that hopefully will negate this. Is it a script? Is it, you know, and I was yeah. trying to make it go away and how sad that was that this is the kind of, you know, the kind of devotion that you see in movies that you're asked to give to your partner, the kind of devotion that you want to live in, in that safety of, I am genuinely giving you everything and trusting you a hundred percent completely. And I had to break that and my brain broke, but, yeah. but you can't have your brain break. You got to go to work. And, and I didn't know who to tell. And I, I didn't want to tell my friends in case we got over it. What a, like, you know, just these crazy sure. thoughts of, um, you know, if I tell people this and we continue our relationship, then that makes me look bad. Like all of those things come to play. And, um, I just kind of froze for a second. I ended up calling his parents who were super sweet to me and I called his parents and I gave him the phone and I said, tell them what you did. Cause I didn't, I didn't know what to do. I needed an adult. You ever feel that way? Like I'm right now I'm 44 years old and sometimes I'm like, nope, need an adult. I don't want to be the adult here. I don't always want to be the adult and, and me and my parents are estranged. So I can't call them and I certainly can't call them about relationships because there's no, there's only black and white with them. You're with this person, you know, just deal with it. And we don't want to know about your feelings. Your feelings are weird and, and, and make us feel awkward. So, uh, Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Did your ex fess up to it right away or did he try to gaslight you? I was being gaslighted, gaslit, I don't know what yeah. the term is, <laughs> yeah. um, all the time. Yeah. So the the very, the, the people who are really good at gaslighting will tell you some of the truth so that you can um, start feeling like things are getting better and that they are fessing up to it and they are being the person and they're going through something. So when you went through something, you know, you had to drink or you had to do something bad or wrong and now you're telling the truth and getting better. But really it was just, I uncovered more and more and it's like, okay, is this everything? You would sit there and go, is this everything? As if it's an interrogation. And even in interrogations, people don't tell you everything. You can't bully someone into telling you the truth. So he was just saying whatever he wanted. So yeah, some of the truth came out, but I'm looking at it. But some of the truth, as I was looking at it, he's like, that's not what it is. And again, 
Yeah. My brain goes, must not be what it is because this person who loves me so much would never, ever, ever do that. Yeah. So I hit a little dark spot in my uh, existence. That's definitely a turning point. But luckily, because of the tumor, I was very nervous about the tumor. I'd never had any health problems. This thing was the size of a football. It moved my heart into my shoulder. It, it oh my collapsed God. my lung completely. I was only on one lung, and um, the surgery was big and all that stuff. When I heard that news, of course, there's some crying, but um, I, I started researching how to be happy because my instinct is to start that spiraling of depression. And then when I'm done with that, I get manic and really, really creative and really uh, fantastic. And I, and I almost enjoy that, that uh, seesaw. And I, mm-hmm. and I just said, you know what, if I spiral this time, I might not be coming back because this is too much. I better start seeing if there's an alternative to this, even though I might not even believe it. Let's just find out. We have Google. Never before have I been, have I been able to Google how to be happy. And I started doing that research. And that's how OMAT came I did a. I listened to TED talks. I uh, listened to interviews. I went to uh, a Hari Krishna, you know, chanting thing. I yeah. I went on a ten day um, silent vegetarian retreat with only only meditation all day. I thought you were going to oh say only lesbians. I was going to say that adds up. <laughs> <laughs> vegetarian retreat. <laughs> uh. Yeah, I was just kind of trying to build this thing that I can come back from. And I mean, I, I have to ask, I think so many people are like sick about talking about the, the pandemic and, and I am too, but I find that like a lot of people who have put in a lot of work into being like a little bit more zen, more present, more in the moment. And then this happened and then it's just kind of warps your your perspective on things. So has that kind of challenged the the work you were doing to be present and be in the moment? Or do you feel like that prepared you for, for what the world is going through right now? I think both. I think everything challenges me and now I'm more prepared for it. There is no, I'm going to be happy all the time. That's just a feeling. It's just one of the feelings. And when I, and that, that's part of how I learned, you know, how to be happy is that you're not always going to be happy. And that's not always the feeling you're reaching for or looking for. Sometimes you're just going, oh, I'm sad now. And because I know happiness is temporary, so is the sadness. So let me like be sad for a minute and then I can alleviate that and continue to some other emotion, maybe anger, who knows. But I can't keep pushing that in order to keep being happy because that's what I would do. I would go like, I'm such a happy person. People saw me as a happy person. A lot of depressives, they're out there going like, oh, I'm just always positive and blah, blah, blah. And, and then I can't share that I'm negative. Yeah. But now I do. I cry in people's faces. Love it. Love it. <laughs> I am one of those depressives who always, when I see you in person, you are you are so bright and just like, I'm always so happy to see you. But you're one of those oh. people where I know you have that depth. And I don't know, when I normally interact with people, I have that perception of, I feel like there is some kind of a phoniness, but I don't feel that with you because I don't know, I can sense that you have those layers that you access regularly, which in turn lets you go back to that balance oh, of that's, happiness. That's awesome because I don't want to be that in your like, hi, everything's great. How are you? It's like, I don't want to talk to you. Everything's not great. You are, you're a liar. You're a liar <laughs> yeah. and you're going to keep lying to me and, and you're going to try to convince me that everything's great. And it's like, ugh, when is everything great? 
That's depressing. Mm -hmm. Stop it. Yeah. You need to be medicated if you think everything's great. Right. (laughs) Right. Prepare for a crash if you think everything's great. Right. Everything is never great. Treatment. (laughs) Yeah. Right away. While you're happy and can do things, start looking for it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm always trying to balance just like the knowledge that uh, humans are terrible and destructive and there's like so much suffering in the world with also being able to allow myself to, to be happy, Uh, (laughs) which like sometimes I do it better than others, but I normally think that, yeah, like I, I am a happy person. I'm very lucky. I get to do what I love. I'm married to somebody who, uh, who doesn't go on Craigslist and yeah. solicits for women. That's nice. <laughs> Feel free to be happy about Imagine that. that. Yeah. I mean, I, I've been through the, the gaslighting and, and whatnot to get to this place, but yeah, it is interesting to think about happiness that it's not like this constant state that you're in. It's just like these moments and knowing that like, I have it within me to be happy. Happiness exists. It's not always like at the surface. It's not always just like brimming out of me and and also allowing yourself to feel like anger and sadness and know that that's okay. Yeah, if you don't feel that anger, you might punch a wall later. It's going to come out. You're going to lash out at someone. Just, you can't go around any of this. And and you've you've had that gaslighting experience. Anyone who's had that experience knows that you can genuinely believe anything. Yeah. You can believe and and that's how cults happen, religion, you know, tradition that doesn't help you anymore, um habits that are ridiculous that used to help you and now don't. You can actually believe anything. So let's think about what we believe and what is actually happening. And then maybe we don't get stuck in that trap that just spirals us into whatever anybody else decides. Oh, today somebody else is happy. I'm happy. If they bring joy to me, then I can accept that. But I can't hold on to it myself. It just becomes difficult and wary. So it it is very weird to feel all your feelings and to cry in front of people until it's not. Now when people cry, I'm like, great. It's just like laughing, but like, you know, the the spit is coming out of your eyes instead of your mouth. <laughs> I feel like I should be taking notes right now. <laughs> I really instinctually see this. I grabbed a pen. <laughs> Thank you. Have- <laughs> when you mentioned before too of like hiding the deceit and depression, uh, unfortunately, I'm also familiar with that. That in a past relationship, I was cheated on, and they didn't tell me, but they were noticeably like very, very depressed. Yeah. And so I then went through, I was so concerned because I thought this person I was with, I was like very worried. I was like, are they suicidal? Like I've never seen them this dark, whatever. But it was because they had cheated on me and were scared I was going to dump them and could, <laughs> didn't want to talk to me about it. So instead they just had all of my uh, sympathy. Mm-hmm. And then and you then feel I bad for them even idiot. after the bad thing. <laughs> I know. Yeah, you feel like such a moron because you're like, this was literally happening right here. This is so great. And all your intuition is now coming into question, which is one of the scariest things that you can live with where you can't trust yourself. Because if I'm able to look at that and it's red and somebody says it's black and I go, trust this person, 
Yeah. And it's the person that you're the most supposed to trust that to bounce back from that is really difficult. I don't believe that you can do it alone. I don't I don't know that you could navigate alone. It, it, happy or sad. It's just it, it's just too hard. Yeah. And and you're and you're living in in quiet and silence and that that makes you alone and then it never comes out. The first time you say it, you cry, you think you're going to die. The second time you say it, you maybe still cry and want to die, but like eventually you're alleviated with it and it turns into something else, but if you don't say it out loud, then it's just it keeps bouncing around like lyrics to a song. You're just on loop, on loop and going around your life and nobody knows that this is what's happening on loop because what's happening out of your mouth is so different. So you're becoming the liar that you've been with. You're just becoming that. Wow. And and you don't want people to know you because then they're going to know that you're not happy. You're a bummer. You're, but yeah. it's not a bummer. People love hearing this stuff. You got cheated on? <laughs> Great stories. Give me the gossip. I mean, of course, they feel for you and everything. But at the end of the day, they go home and have their own stuff. Nobody's, you know, you you, you just end up minding your own business. So share it. Yeah. Yeah. I think a, a lot of people in my life were surprised at, um, so I, I got divorced six years ago. Congratulations. Five years ago. <laughs> yeah. Very good. <laughs> Wait, four years ago, four years ago. It seemed uh, a lot Doesn't further. it feel good when you don't know? You're like, right. I don't even know when the last time I saw you, I don't care. Yeah. I, I stopped, uh, <laughs> making tally marks on the wall. It's, <laughs> but the level of devastation I felt when I was going through it and my friends, my family had never seen me so down before. And then I healed from that mostly kind of fast. And everybody was really shocked, but I was like, cause I let myself be very dark and feel those awful feelings. And I expressed it. And I was like very to anybody who would listen, like, <laughs> yeah, like the crying so hard. Do you think you'll, uh, you, you're going to stop breathing and all of that. And I just like let it all get out of me. And then I was able to keep moving instead of pretending like, oh, I'm fine. And like, oh, I'll be okay. And <laughs> yeah, I was, was a lot of baths. All of a sudden I was a bath girl. Like, <laughs> oh, guess I'm in the bath again. This is what's happening right now. I don't know. Like I'd be like, Water's I don't know what healing. to do. I guess I'm taking a bath. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> when you were in this relationship, were people outside the relationship too trying to put labels to you or, or asking you, like you mentioned it a little bit. Um, I, I guess I'm curious, like if both like from your partner in the outside, like did, did your husband sort of label you or put you in a box or did you have the room to just be Hemda and have that no, be I enough? Think, <laughs> I don't think this is, you know, your average normal yet for people not to have questions. So I fully understand it. I was very, fine being on a platform of nobody talks about this, but I do. I'm completely fine with it. But it, it is this outside feeling of um, I don't have, uh, it, if you are a lesbian and you're fully like, you know, down that spectrum line, then then you were maybe more in the club. I, I got put out of it. Like I wasn't in the queer community because the only thing that made me queer, according to outside people, was my husband. So as soon as we break up, am I queer anymore? Um, does it matter? Are, are you asking me anything anymore? Once I start dating a dude, it was very outside of that and very, um, I didn't feel welcome, you know? And, and also when you're telling a story, like, you know, my husband, my boyfriend, things like that. 
and and you're talking to a bunch of queer people, you feel outside of it, but you don't want to be like, but he's trans, so I belong here. <laughs> I, yeah. I don't know how to say this. Or when you're bisexual and you happen to be dating a person of the opposite sex, it's like, but I'm also one of you, you know? I don't know how to... I don't want to be like, me too. Um, right. I have this experience. I'm just in this place now. And and you just kind of have to let it go and don't put yourself in the box so that it it normalizes for you and then for other people. But it, it is weird. I feel like the reason why queer communities, they, they come together is because a lot of times in more heteronormative environments, they just feel like they're making everybody uncomfortable or they feel like people are thinking things and not saying them or people are being rude or whatever. So then you're like, oh, well, here's this community that in theory should be very accepting and I can be a, a part of them. But then there's so many people who feel neither here or there. They feel like, yeah, the queer community is never going to accept me because. Well, I didn't have to fully hide. Yeah. You know what I mean? I didn't have to because because I can date men, because I can be attracted to men. The the closet is different. It's maybe a walk-in closet instead of a little, you know, <laughs> it's <laughs> instead of a New York closet. It's, it's just a, so you get that from. I, I got it from lesbians, you know, and even a little bit from my ex. And, and I get it. Like, he had to hide his identity in layers. He had to come out as lesbian first and then trans. And so I I didn't necessarily have those layers. You don't have the same experience. And the fact that LGBTQIA is, is lumped in together, that doesn't mean we all have the same experiences. Being For gay, sure. being a lesbian, being trans. Mm -hmm. It's not even the same... Like, one is who you're attracted to, and one is who you are on your own. It's exactly. not even the same technically. But, yeah, like you said, we're lumped in together so that the outside doesn't make fun of us because we are a little bit more gentle on each other when we're in a room. Because you're forced to be open-minded. But, you know, there's a lot of, um, you know, Republican yeah. gay people who, that's just their thought process. You know, there's, they they are conservative. They're maybe even, and, and they... They might be out, but they or they might be, you know, coming down on themselves for why they have to be that way. We haven't normalized this so much that people could just live in this and just feel comfortable even when they're alone. Yeah. And seen. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I answered your question. Was that? Yeah. A lot of people are intimidated by the queer community and especially queer women because it seems like there's a lot of kind of judging or or mistrust maybe and, and I think that applies more to older like the older generation mm. um because things were were very different and that, now things are a lot more open and so much more fluid with with the younger generation but it's like the younger generation isn't really hanging out with, with the older generation. And then I feel like there are people like me and Melody who are just a no man's land kind of in between. Yeah. <laughs> these two, Everyone's mad at you. These two generations. <laughs> we're trying we so hard. We all just agree that we're all mad at Melody and Carolyn. Yeah. <laughs> Come together over that. Just know we're trying really hard. <laughs> <laughs> but if you if you get into the queer world, by the way, is as a forty four year old to say queer is, 
I, I, I do really love the word word because it is all encompassing, but it's what people used to call it. It was a derogatory a term. Slur. So, sure. yeah. So, and then me being slightly outside of the community and still using that word, sometimes I feel a little nervous, you know, especially now that I have a boyfriend. Now I'm like, I have a boyfriend, but I think there's a spectrum in me and, you know, like, let me qualify myself. I can't get into that. It's just what's happening now because really dating a woman is the same as dating a man. By the way, all parts taste the same. I hate to break it to everybody. <laughs> do I don't they? know what to say. Yeah, they do. I don't know. To me, they do. Yeah, it tastes like... it tastes. Now I'm going to describe it to I you. Know. <laughs> like, please. Is it like an umami? <laughs> <laughs> I, I've heard differently, and that's the reason why I can't drink uh, coconut water, because once somebody <laughs> told me that coconut water tastes like jizz, and then... Oh, you wish. Yeah, I know. And then somebody else said that, but then when I tried coconut water, like... The fact that someone, it just ruined it for me. I'm like, I can't. This feels- Maybe it looks like coconut water, but I have ne- I mean, go to a doctor. I don't know. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> well, I'm not really talking so much about the, the jizz or the liquid or whatever. I'm talking about like it, the, the skin sort of yeah. tastes the same. It's, it's, um, it's different than your arm. It's, it's, a, it's like it, it tastes more sensitive yeah. and uh, um, yummy. Uh, <laughs> but it's, it really feels the same. It's, um, some of the same movements, uh, the same care, the same, um, paying attention to that person and moving along with where they want to go. Yeah. I mean, it's, and, and, oh man, once I went down on a vagina, I was like, okay, men are ridiculous. The clit's right there. There's no mystery. It's <laughs> get over yourselves. This, this, it's clear as day. You just, I mean, if you're, if you have that mindset, you just don't want to look at it. You never want to look at it and you don't want to do any work. And I get it that penises are a little more of a hair trigger, but nah. Get over it. I think for men, and again, this is me being just not familiar at all, but if I had to stereotype, it's that they're not known for being the best listeners. What? And I and I think <laughs> when explain. you're when you're going down on someone, like a big part of it is just being very present and like listening for audio cues. And then if not that, just like picking up on physical movements of being like, Oh, that was, that was a good move. Keep doing that. And that, you know, yeah. it's not that hard. One time at an open mic, a comic street just asked Going me, down on an open mic. Yes. please. Continue. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, it, they were making it sound like it was just like such a hard thing to, to figure out. And I kind of heckled and just said, it's really not, uh, and it was like a room full of men. And then he's like, what's the secret? Pay attention. Like, that's the secret. Pay attention. You know what? I bet, I bet that person goes about life going like, I can't figure this out. I can't figure this out. Like, the real yeah. question is, what can you figure out? You know, like, if you're a person who can't figure it out, yes, you won't figure this out either. So, yeah. uh, I don't know. I feel bad for you. Uh. And this <laughs> person is like an objectively, like, really attractive beefcake of a man. He's a personal trainer. He's, like, very attractive and... So he never had to try. A funny guy, yeah. So he never had to, like, he doesn't, he doesn't need to think about it 
uh, but then here's he news like, for him. He does. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. It depends on the guy too. My, I dated someone who, uh, probably had like a Napoleon complex, like just like a smaller guy who probably felt like he had a lot of overcompensating to do. I don't know. Very good at what he did probably cause he felt like he had to prove that. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with also looking things up, but I think people end up looking up like, where do I touch and how do I do it? Which that's not, I think, what you look up. What you look up is um, how do people signal when they're having fun? Where do people move when they like how you're doing things? That's more of yeah. how you pay attention. And also, I I think this is a tip if you're going down on a vagina just stay in one spot for a minute and you'll feel that person move into where they need to be. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't know yeah. if you've experienced that, but you just it's don't even, work. yeah, don't even look for it. <laughs> I will move and I'm like, there it is. Okay. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Like, one of my favorite jokes is Lisa Traeger when she had her first relationship with another woman. Yes. She talks, how she bought, so the, she bought the book on uh, how to eat pussy. And she's like, do you think a, man, a man's ever done that? Do you think a man has ever bought a book about... <laughs> How to pleasure a woman? No. <laughs> Why not? You could be, if you make someone come, like, you're the Lord, at least for, like, the next 10 seconds until I fall asleep. Like, it's, <laughs> it's for you. Who Enjoy started the that. alphabet thing? I feel like maybe that <laughs> so many people Ugh. are just focusing on what letter comes next that they're not paying attention to where someone's moving. Yeah, and that's hard enough for them. That's like a math equation. Yeah, so right? Yeah. Maybe not. I don't do know that. who thought that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's no, like, anytime you go down into a formula, it's like, wait, who are you eating out right now? Because I can tell this is not me. You're, you figured somebody else out and now you're trying. And that's a good starting point. Yeah. But then, like, you know, hold tight. Just one second. I will move <laughs> around and then show you. <laughs> when, I, when I told my parents I was uh, marrying my ex, my mom was like, oh, what does that mean? It's like, oh, my God. You, she has an Iraqi background. They're very old school. All they've wanted ever is that I get married. I'm like, I think you know what getting married means. You know, I was like, oh, I'm engaged. And she's like, no, I'm not sure. I'm like, well, I can tell you in Hebrew, which I will right now. And I know you speak that language. So here we go. And it was, she was like, okay, then keep it off Facebook. I'm like, I will not. This, that I don't, I don't care about your discomfort about this. This is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. That you care more about what your fam- your friends think. Which, by the way, lose your friends. They're stupid. You <laughs> care more about what your friends think than you know your daughter is doing this thing. So that's on you. Good luck. Yeah. You should you should remove yourself from Facebook because I'm not. Do you ever feel with your parents specifically that like you don't want them to know that you're in a relationship? With uh, with a cis man, because then they'd be like, "See," and like you don't want to yeah, give them that satisfaction that more than anything. <laughs> you know what? I'm I'm still not with someone that they would approve of because he's not of the same race and religion. So we're good to go. But I did once, <laughs> I did once date a Jew, and I'm like, um, and I was about to meet my parents, and I'm like, wow. Like, this is one of the few times that I could be like, you want to come as like a casual thing. And I was like, no, I will not give this to them. Yeah. (laughs) They're going to like you so much. And I'm not even sure you're a good person. No. (laughs) I love that. Uh, So obviously, well, maybe not obviously for people who aren't familiar with your podcast, but you and your co-host, Keith, are, are very close. 
You, yeah, we've gone we've gone in and out. We used to date when yeah. we first started the podcast, and then we broke up and continued the show. We considered our baby, and we've gone through things where we're just like, mm, I don't even know if I like you, but uh, I like this show so much, and we make our we make each other laugh so much. And um, at this point, we are very very cool, very cool. Uh, I think I finally had to be like. This person is different than me, and I can't take what they're joking about seriously because I'm just, you know, I got into, like, when all this stuff was coming out and Trump was elected and, you know, now we know about, like, heteronormative and all these words, and you start recognizing how much being a female has, like, weighed you down, and all of a sudden I'm like, well, of course you would say that. You're a straight white guy and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, what am I doing? This yeah. is not helping anything. I just was getting mad. I think I think it's okay to get mad, though. Like, you suddenly realize some stuff, and your first instinct is, whoa, I have been putting myself down. I've been putting myself in the corner, and you've been helping, and everyone, you know, turns to you when I do this work and blah, blah, blah. And it's just so much more fun like joking about it and i think like that alleviates my pain anytime that i can start joking as soon as i could start joking about my tumor it became easier and fine i started joking about like if i die or whatever and so now instead of getting mad i i try to get curious and joke about it and not not to say that i'm giving passes you know what i mean we're still feeling each other's opinion and fielding through it, but we're having a much easier time listening to each other after, you know, the anger subsides. For sure. Subsides. I, you get it. <laughs> I'm curious about how he reacted to your relationship with your ex-husband and seeing all that unfold. What Was that hard for him to wrap his head around or... A lot of people ask him that, and he's and when uh, we were first dating, and the identity was lesbian, he's like, "Well, I, it's not my fault. I couldn't give her what she clearly wanted." You know, <laughs> uh, he alleviated his own pain like that. But yeah. I think it's, <laughs> I think it's now more like, "Well, we're both going to date other people, and it really doesn't matter what's in that person's pants because." It, you're never going to see, it's never going to affect you. It just yeah. doesn't matter. So I think he might've had to go through that on his own, you know, and sort of feel, I know that sometimes guys feel a little weird when, um, when, when their woman, their woman, oh my God, uh, <laughs> go, goes into a straight, uh, uh, a same sex relationship after. But I think that's just, again, like what our society was more, I think we're, we're moving forward in that where it's just like, it, it doesn't matter if you're over it, whoever I'm dating, they, they don't care. So yeah. he doesn't care anymore. Yeah. Good. Yeah. <laughs> Plus his, his ex-wife is uh, engaged to a woman now and it's just <laughs> n- nobody, nobody batted an eye and that, that I think is progress, you know? Yeah. 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 For sure. I mean, I know when I was younger, I used to like, especially in college would be, you know, casually seeing women. And then after college, they would have boyfriends. And then I'd be like, "Ugh, of course. And then I'm like, well, wait a minute. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. like you, you, it doesn't affect me at all. And I should just care that this person is, is happy. And I don't know why I'm taking this personally. <laughs> Yeah, there's yeah. so much to to be unhappy about. Like, oh, now right. they're dating somebody with more money. Now they're dating somebody who, you know, 
knows how to cook better, whatever it is, you, right. can, you can find it. So it could be the sex of that person, the gender of that person, or just the experience that you have. Um, as soon as it doesn't matter to you what your ex is doing, the rest of that stuff just follows. Right. I will say, though, when I was dating a male, he did oh, immediately. I'm so sorry for I know. Seriously. <laughs> this is when it started to become the end for me is when he would say things like, I turned you back straight or something like that. Uh. It was some kind of not so blatantly, but like definitely coded language like that. And at that moment, he became less and less attracted to me. And I was looking forward to him <laughs> becoming my ex. <laughs> like that you had... I'm looking forward to not talking to you. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so, yes, you did turn me. You turned me into a person who's disinterested in you. <laughs> you turned me single. Thank you so much. <laughs> do you have a relationship with your ex now, or is it? do you like to just keep that in the past? No, we don't. Um, I used to always pride myself on being friends with my exes, and now I pride myself on not doing that. There's a reason we broke up. And I, I could make other friends. I don't, I don't want to do this with you. And if I did want to do this with you, we'd still be together. But you, I feel like the exes, they, they probably did something and you can't, you can't treat me like that. And I keep going with this. There's no point. I wanted to be friends. And then I was like, what, why? You know, I guess I just want things to be civil and nice and, and they can be even without us being friends. I, I think a big reason why people like to be friends is because it feels like it softens the loss. It's like, oh, okay, well, I'm already losing the relationship or the the romantic part and the sexual part, and that's like a big enough loss, and maybe if we could mitigate that by keeping a friendship. But I always yeah. think that that's a lot more painful unless yeah. it's just somebody that you've been with for maybe like a couple months and you're like, oh, we're better as friends. Like that's mm. one thing. But if you've been with someone for for more than a year, I just don't think that you can be friends with I've them. I've never. It's only been like flings that I can be friends with, but I can't. I honestly think <laughs> it's borderline psychotic. And I know a lot of listeners, <laughs> I know a lot of our listeners are probably really good friends with people. Well, that's because it's such a thing in uh, especially the lesbian community. It is a thing in the queer community, but I still don't understand. Uh, and it's seen as a very, you know, on uh on the L word, even the the old one and the new generation Q, you have people who are BFFs who had like a romantic history together. And I'm like, you could have anybody as a roommate. Why are you living with your ex girlfriend? <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm speaking from a perspective where I'm still podcasting with my ex, but he doesn't feel like my ex <laughs> yeah. anymore. That, I forget. Okay. Yeah. I forget yeah, that we I, dated. That's really funny. I'm like, oh, that's psychotic. And then you like just told me. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but it is psychotic. It's you know, at first we we would have loved to be away from each other, and yeah. then later we were able to be friendly. You know, it's it's not. Right. I also think you want to be friends with your ex so that you weren't completely wrong about this person you know like sure. there's there's some kind of validation of if we could be friends that means that I was an, an idiot for dating this person they have some good parts it just didn't fit in my good parts and maybe that that could be true like I'm me with Keith um we do have good parts that fit but they're friendship good parts not the other stuff like he he and I can't give each other what we need in a relationship. And for him, that might be like less emotion. And for me, that might be more. So I could see why we could be friends 
because we're not relying on each other for the things that um, a relationship needs. We're relying on each other on small cases and work-related things. And I can I can compartmentalize that and not need him for that stuff and not go to people that you know don't have that stuff for you. I had to stop doing that. Like, if I had emotions, maybe Keith is not the person that I go to. I go to him to laugh. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. to... And I go to somebody else to to worry about, um, hey, this is how I feel. He'll just stare at me. Oh, my God. There was so much staring. <laughs> right? He'll let you know that. to stare. <laughs> right in your eye. Like, yeah. what do I do now? And it's like, well, if, if you don't know, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I can't walk me and you through my feelings. Yeah. I guess it's conditional and I shouldn't. I mean, I'm speaking more about, like, clearly my intimacy issues of not being able to be <laughs> friends with people. Well, who've been I, I, I mean, see it with, if there's a working relationship and there's a fun, or like... Um, You're like co-parenting, though, with the podcast. It's a form of co-parenting, and co-parenting is obviously a place where I think it's really important that you stay friends with your exes on, and, and on good terms. And I have friends who have these amazing relationships with their uh, ex-husbands because they have a kid together. And as long as, like, both people have moved on from right. the Very romantic part of the relationship, then, yes, you can have a, a friendship. But if if there's no other reason, though, like a kid or a, a job. A podcast, podcast. The all-important podcast. Yes. yes. <laughs> That's been going since 2005. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just at the turn of the century. If you have a podcast that started just at the turn of the century, you may be friends with your ex. You yes. have to wait until the podcast is 18 before you can be like, <laughs> okay, it doesn't need us anymore. <laughs> Maybe. Still a minor. Right, you just gave, you you just gave us our end date. Yeah, <laughs> yeah getting close. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you now in terms of labels? Is it something that you just completely reject and, you know, don't don't want to impose on you and just I don't think I can reject it. I think that people are curious and a lot of this information is new especially if you're outside of this and, you know, people are still in closet, so uh, you know, we're not allowed to get this information a lot of times, at least from a personal experience. It's very taboo. So I understand the questions and I understand the boxes, but um, I just kind of try to broaden my answer. Like, Is there uh, a label and, and that feels good to you? I tend to say, I quote Eminem, I am everything, whatever you say I am, because <laughs> I, I am. <laughs> yeah, because in the lesbian community, I'm not clear. I'm not queer always. So okay, so I'm straight to you. That's fine. So if you find out that I, you know, was married to a transgender person, that I'm queer to you, then I'm queer. I am in whatever box you want, and I'm very comfortable in all of them. So it really is. Be, you're not. You're not queer because you're queer. You're queer because other people see you as this alternative thing. Yeah. So. If you want to see me that way, that's fine. If you want to just, you know, see me as straight, if you want to see me as gay, if you, you know, there are people said like, oh, you just need dick, like whatever you want to see. I don't care. You know, I, I am happy to be seen in whatever way. And if you can, if you can see me and that's the box you want to put me in, in order to, um, speak to me, then I am that I am straight. I am gay. I am all that stuff. So Go ahead. Everything and nothing. Love that. I say that a lot on this podcast. These labels are everything and nothing. Yeah. We touched on OMAT. Is there 
anything you wanted to say or guide the listeners towards for OMAT? Yeah, um, I developed OMAT because I was in a, a really dark space and I I just... I couldn't find the next step because I was thinking of the 10 steps ahead of it. So OMAT stands for one minute at a time. And I found myself, if I if I break everything down into just a few seconds, one minute long, I'm able to, instead of seeing the mountain, I see the next step to, to go. And that's how I got through a very dark time. And while I was looking up how to be happy, how to be successful, how to be you know, productive and, and all of that stuff falls under how to be happy, how to be yourself. And I found these eight exercises that are actually essential. You know, you have to move your body, you have to clear your mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if I do that, like one of them is gratitude and oh man, I could roll my eyes about the whole gratitude thing as much as anybody else can. When I was younger, you know, if you had a yoga mat or even talked about yoga, you would just be this like hippy dippy, you know, loser who doesn't want to do anything. And that's changed. So the, the gratitude came along. I found that, you know, successful CEOs and, um, you know, anyone from like Oprah to, uh, a podcaster to, um, and any you know um anybody standing on a platform or just going to work every day just to kind of hustle they they have changed their mindset and um become more successful because of the gratitude so I'm like yeah. I reluctantly did it I would wake up and there would be a list running in my head. I have to do this. I have to do that. I didn't do this yesterday. Ugh, another day. Like, now I got to get up. I got to brush my teeth. It's just everything was weighed down. And I told myself the night before, tomorrow I'm going to interrupt that thought because I learned you you can interrupt your thought. And I'm like, yeah, okay. Interrupt the thought. Start a gratitude list. Whether you like it or not, just push through like you're doing a push-up. And I did it. And I could not believe it. The one minute of me just going like, wow, you know, I might not be talking to my parents, but I love my brothers. They're really there for me. Their families are really great. And, you know, you start running it, just kind of look around like there's internet. If there was a pandemic without internet, where would you be? Like all that stuff. And my body changed and my headspace changed. And I'm like, okay, so the things that I'm learning about actually do work. Let me see what else works. And I just, I just kept increasing, um, the, the exercises. And so now I did like 10 minutes of yoga, but you can also do one minute of yoga. Um, the sun salutation is actually a full yoga flow that touches on a lot of the different parts. And you can just do that and feel even better. So all the exercises are one minute long. One of them is planking. One of them is writing. And you could just do that on your own or you could join our OMAT club. So the information is at keithandthegirl.com slash OMAT, O-M-A-T. And of course, Keith and the Girl is the podcast, and it's just a funny, wild time. Melody's been on there, and I can't wait until Carolyn yes. comes on. I think we might have you on next week or something. We're working it out. Yeah. yeah. I, I love your podcast, by the way. I know this is a side thing. Oh, um, I was, thank you. I was listening to it. You guys are so funny. <laughs> <laughs> love it. And where can people find you on social media? My name is Chemda, and it's spelled Chemda. You could find that, but Keith and the Girl is mostly where we post. It's Keith and the Girl on all platforms, Keith and the Girl on all podcast platforms as well. Thank you so much for diking out with us today. (laughs) Thank you. What a lovely and fun human. I love Chemda so much. I'm literally talking to her in a few hours. I'm recording an episode of Keith and the Girl, which 
jealous. You know, look out for Carolyn will be on it probably next week. And I, I, I did, you know, kind of sit back and let you guys get to know each other this episode. And I'm glad yes. you, you, you know, I don't know. She's one of my favorite people. Yeah, it was so great getting to know her. I had listened to her on other podcasts before. It's always uh, funny when you <laughs> are meeting someone for the first time, but you know their life story. Oh, yeah. So you're like, oh, tell me more about this very um, specific, very personal thing uh, about your sex life. Uh, yeah. <laughs> tell me about what sex was like with your ex-husband. Tell me that story. I've heard it before, but let the, let the listeners. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> No, that was a lot of fun, but it is time for our listener question. Hello. This week's listener question is from a patron, which you know means their question got bumped to the top of the list. Let's get into it. My sexual and gender identity is a roller coaster, parentheses, or a waterbed, but generally I identify as a lesbian. I've had hetero encounters before and eventually swore that off forever after some difficult experiences and beautiful queers. But lately, I've been having sex dreams and crushes on certain men, and I'm realizing that I may be into guys, but with a different dynamic, parentheses, my top energy. I want to explore that, but I feel afraid trying to date men again. Every time I think about opening up my Tinder to the other side, I get spooky flashbacks of uninvited dick pics and Pandora bracelets and all the other weird stuff. I feel good in my queer space and I just don't want to leave. At the same time, I can't get this desire off my mind. Do you have any advice for me to do this exploration and feel safe at the same time? Melody, can you explain to me the Pandora bracelets? <laughs> it's just like, it's such a standard gift from a man to a woman. He is, it's oh. just like a classic, it's heteroculture. It's like, it's okay. <laughs> at least that's how I took it. Yeah. I knew what a Pandora bracelet was, but I, I'm just like, oh, is that. Like, does she have, like, a collection of Pandora bracelets from... No, it's, like, I don't know. Their dates? It's what I just think of with just, like, super straight girls. Like, he gave me this charm, and then I get this charm, but he got me the bracelet to kick off my charm collection. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Um, I would say find a bisexual man. Yeah. Boom. Because I think maybe they would... uh, possibly be more open to your top energy and want to be (laughs) taught by women or somebody who's a little bit more uh, hetero flexible. I don't know. Melody, I feel like this is more your... this is my life. Um, Yeah. And if you're anything like me, you were hesitant because you wanted to hold on to the identity of being a lesbian and really were more concerned with other people's opinions of you than you know, how you saw yourself. I have, I have big top energy, I think. Um, I, you, yeah, I love the idea of being with bisexual guy. You can even, um, hook up with straight guys. You just, uh, how do you avoid like the uninvited dick pics on Tinder and all that? I don't know. You might have to do some more old school forms of meeting men than on dating apps. Yeah, maybe go to a, a queer sex party <laughs> yeah, or a play party or, or something. I mean, if you could find one, I don't know where you live, but um, we talked about that on a couple of episodes ago. And I think that might be a place where you could find men who um, might be 
again, have more like fluid sexuality and um, might be good with (laughs) more knowledgeable and respecting of things like consent. And that could be a a route to go because I, I can totally imagine the nightmare. I mean, you see screenshots of this all the time. I hear about it from my, my friends about men on Tinder. It's just um, mentally draining and to be, you're opening yourself up to immediate uh, objectification, mm-hmm. immediate creep vibes. They just don't know how to be creepy. What's the I, Bumble? Is that a better yeah. choice? Maybe um, go on Bumble go, and not go Tinder. Go on Bumble. Yes. Um, sorry, I've been out of the game for so long. Bumble. The women initiate the conversation. You have what 12 24 hours to reply once you've made a match with someone the man literally cannot contact you unless you do it and uh, that's why it's also great for um lesbian it's just ends up being like a lesbian dating app um <laughs> but you know it, it it sounds like you have a an itch you want to scratch it could be more than that i don't think you should uh, necessarily be afraid of it because you know no matter what you're you're still queer and if you want to take the time to just check in with these feelings uh, nobody is gonna or nobody worth hang, hanging out with is gonna rip that lesbian yeah. uh, identity away from you we do have a an episode from way back called uh, sex with dudes and uh, that guest, she liked to have no strings attached sex with, with guys, but is only interested in romantic relationships with uh, women and probably identifies closer to uh, a lesbian. And, Relatable. You know, it's it's okay. Um, that's okay to do. And, like, what what's the worst case scenario? Um, you go out on a date with a guy and he murders you. That's <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I know. Do you have any advice uh, to do this exploration and feel safe at the same time um yeah that's why i was saying the sex parties which might sound like counterintuitive i'm just thinking covid what's safe safety you know covid yeah i mean that's that might be actually i was gonna say the beauty of covid there's no beauty uh do you hear how dead and defeated i feel this episode (laughs) it's bad out there but um you're forced to get to know people on a deeper level maybe than you would pre-COVID when you would just, you know, meet up with someone on a whim. Like you're forced to really decide if it's worth it and talk to them, FaceTime with them. You can get a general sense of a guy and, you know, feel out whether or not he's a douchebag before you end up meeting with him. And that's pretty safe. Yeah, maybe, you know, use this time to be able to establish um, exactly what you're looking for online find something where maybe you initiate and screen out the the creeps and uh so that you're not getting inundated with dick pics uh if you start talking to a guy i would say just set up the boundaries right away say like hey this is where i'm at right now uh i don't want dick pics like if you objectify me or whatever like i will block you right away Maybe that's maybe don't take uh, guy dating advice from me, a raging dyke. Yeah. But Carolyn, I don't know about that. <laughs> I think some men would be into that. I think men. If you're just like, hey, my name's I think Carolyn. <laughs> no dick pics. No. <laughs> men no Andrews. What to do no. sometimes. <laughs> 
Sometimes they want, they're like, oh, great. Specific instructions. No guessing. All right. I would say try it. And what's to lose? Like there, there are so many people out there. Try, try different strategies. But I would go into it setting very clear rules and boundaries. Get that top energy yes. uh, out there by, you know, establishing your dominance. <laughs> immediately with with these <laughs> men and your opening uh, line is gonna be you know are you into pegging and just you know step <laughs> sorry i'll stop joking <laughs> i'll stop joking everybody has uh the ability to be problematic unfortunately uh, you would like to think that the queer community is super safe but there are problematic people within it mm-hmm. um but you might feel a little bit safer trying to date trans men. I was going to say that too, actually. And and I hope that's not problematic in any way for me to say this. But I honestly, when I'm on Instagram and I'm looking at the accounts of trans men, I think like, wow, if I were uh, a straight guy, I'd be very intimidated by... Um, by trans men because they are uh, they're very attractive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And then you don't have all the you. You would hope there'd be less of the misogyny, the objectification, uh, because of being, um, you know, misgendered your your entire life to the point you transition. So um, they generally have more perspective. Yeah, yeah, they have more perspective, and um, there there are a lot of sexy trans men out there. I know. I, I know a few I could send you the profiles for. You can, you can shoot your shot because I cannot. <laughs> <laughs> they are the reason I have such an issue with the label bisexual for myself and, you know, keep wanting to go to pan. You want to go to pan? I've always... I don't know. I feel like I had... Uh, ever... Bi plus. Bi plus. Bi plus. <laughs> yeah, I have crushes on trans men and women everyone horny it's a it's a beautiful spectrum of genders out there and you don't just have to go for uh the douchiest baseline misogynistic man that's out there that is not the only option there are so many more there's so many men that are totally cool and respectful and you can trust Um, your own intuition swiping yeah like you're not gonna mash with all these trash bags you can get a sense you know generally if someone's gonna be the type to immediately accost you if it's a gym selfie if it's a, a mirror selfie if they're holding a fish if they have sunglasses on like just don't swipe on mm-hmm. those right yeah the fish um, is a big one also if it's a, a picture of them at the women's march don't swipe on that either <laughs> that's a trap yeah. that that guy is going to be into weird stuff <laughs> he's going to want to pee in your eye uh, <laughs> Specific. <laughs> I would know. I've had. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I hope that helps. Trust your gut in terms of being safe, and don't be uh, too worried about being shunned by the queer community. You live your life, and we love you. We love you. 
Well, if you have a question, you can send it to dykingout at gmail.com or you can uh, join Patreon and send us a question through there. You get bumped to the top of the list. Or if it's a very specific question and you want a very specific answer, then you can go to wizio.com, W-I-S-I-O, dot com slash dyking out and you can pay us some monies that help support the podcast and then you get a, a video from us you get to see our quarantine faces <laughs> i i put on makeup for these okay it's the only time i've been putting on makeup in quarantine are for these wizio videos oh man now i feel bad because i have been fully post-workout ju- or just you know bare bones i'll do better <laughs> I'm like hiding my roots, uh, getting my ring light out, (laughs) multiple takes. I put some real effort into these. You can follow us on social media at Diking Out on uh, Instagram, Twitter at Diking Out Pod on TikTok while it's still a thing. You know, I swear I was going to post a TikTok and then there was the threat that it was going to be deleted. And I'm like, I I can't invest uh, my time into learning (laughs) TikTok if it's just going to be I knew banned. that was going to be a sham. Um <laughs> it's it's here. It's here to stay. And um well Fine, I guess I'm running out of excuses. Guys, I've posted 3 so far, 3 videos. I think I'm at a great rate. <laughs> Three videos in five months. (laughs) Uh, Compared to me, you are on fire. You are blowing up on TikTok. (laughs) You can follow me at TGI Carolyn, even though I didn't post a a single picture from me in the woods. I I would like to say that I was really just trying to uh, ignore the online world and and be in touch with nature. But again, I was on Trulia the whole time. You can find me at Melody Kamali on Instagram, Twitter, sparingly, and now TikTok. And thank you for diking out with us this week. Next week, we have a very, very exciting guest uh, that we won't disclose. Oh, my God. You did it. (laughs) Right now. (laughs) But we will in a week. So uh, you're going to love it. Be kind to one another. Be kind to one another. Bye. What if you discovered you could move between the worlds of dreams and real life? That's the story of Dream Breachers, where Evan wakes up on his 12th birthday and realizes that something he dreamt about the night before had actually happened. With the help of his friends, a reappearing stranger, and a mysterious organization called the Dream Academy, Evan will discover what it means to be a Dream Breacher. Dream Breachers is a high-stakes sci-fi mystery adventure about the highs and lows of having all your dreams come true and is perfect for kids ages 8 to 12. If that sounds like a dream to you, you're in luck. You can listen to Dream Breachers now, wherever you get your podcasts.